The point is getting to the point fast. The point is hearing the nation on your morning commute. The point is having couchside feel like courtside. The point is journalism that gets right to the point of the story and why it matters to you. USA Today, to the point. Welcome to the 41st episode of the Baseball Eyes Have It podcast with your host, Brent Hershey, and me, Chris Blessing. We both actually got out to the ballpark for multiple games this week, and we have a show jam-packed with our live look observations. Uh, but first, Brent, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Chris. It's uh, different for us. We're recording on Sunday afternoon, and uh, I've gotten my first pass of my FAB for several leagues uh, going through, and uh, I'm excited to talk about uh, some prospects that uh, both of us saw uh, this week. So I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I haven't done my pass through the FAB stuff, the FAB, uh, so I've got some work to do there, but I'm doing doing better the, than I was last week. I was kind of kind of out of it last week, uh, but this week I'm energized uh even though my eyes are almost swollen shut from georgia allergies oh. uh, but we're we're hang, hanging in there so yeah good well we're not going to mess around and get then we're going to just get right to our live look segment we've got prospects from the rays reds rockies and and yankees organizations for our subscribers and again it's always good to subscribe to our site because you get my content, you get the minors' uh, team's content, you get our whole team's content, uh, which is maybe even worth more than the minors at times. Uh, I don't know why it would be worth more than the minors, but it is. Um, and for those subscribers, I will be breaking down Eli uh, De La Cruz at the site this Thursday. Uh, De La Cruz is one of everybody's favorite prospects right now, one of the favorite players I've covered, actually, from for a while, and it should be a must-read piece for uh, De La Cruz managers and prospective De La Cruz managers. Uh, so, uh, Brent, you get to lead us off today because we do have a headliner for this episode, and that's Rockies outfield prospect Zach Veen. Brent, you've gotten looks now both at the Futures game and then yeah. in his first week in Double A. Does uh, does the hype match what you've seen thus far? Yeah, the uh, it was interesting to look at Veen. Uh, I think the easy question, the easy answer to that question for me uh, is no. Uh, but we'll get into that uh, in a in a bit. I did get to the games I got this week were um, a back to back set with the up at Somerset with the Yankees Double A team and uh, Hartford uh, that was coming in for that for this week. And uh, when I originally scheduled that, I was thinking I would get to see uh, Ezekiel Tobar, uh, that that was kind of the main attraction. Um, a day or so before I went up there, I realized that Tobar is still on the disabled list, um, some sort of injury from, I believe, from before before the Futures game even. Uh, but I was uh, happy to see that the Rockies had just promoted Zach Veen from uh, high A uh, out on the West Coast to double A. And uh, so this was his first, um, you know, his first taste of uh, 
of the high minors in double A. Uh, and I was going to get to see two of those games. Um, Dean was interesting. He was a guy that I, I talked about a little bit as far as wanting to see at the futures game. Um, and during his BP practice, uh, he, he did okay on there, but I definitely noted, you know, he kind of had a flatter swing, uh, than some guys and wasn't driving the ball quite as far. Um, getting a look at him this week again at, at, in a game situation, uh, two separate games, um, as well as a BP before one of the games. Um, I mean, he's interesting. He's, you know, he has a high sort of setup. He's a very, you know, gets into an athletic hitting position. Um, in batting practice, you know, he's mainly going to right center field uh, with some pop. Um, his size, he's 6'4", 190. Um, there's kind of some room to add some bulk there, but overall it's a, it's a skinnier frame. Um, you know, his upper body is not necessarily wide. Um, and... You know, as I watched him for two games, it was it was interesting. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but it seems that, you know, perhaps even though the frame looks really uh, athletic and, and that, um, there seems to be some weird kind of coordination stuff that he lacks. Um, and I, I say that, you know, realizing he's 20 years old, um, just a couple of years out of the draft and, uh, you know, well progressed along the ladder, obviously up at, up at double a. Um, but I guess I was looking, I was you know thinking I was going to see, uh, you know, a taller outfielder with, uh, a much more fluid, uh, and kind of forceful swing. Um, there's just some of the movements that, uh, you know, just seemed a, a little bit off. And again, you know, he's long arms, long legs, um, seems like there would be extension there if he gets, you know, it'd be some power there if he gets extended. Um, but it wasn't really, there wasn't a ton of hard hit balls, uh, either in DP or during the two games. Um, he was kind of hesitant at the plate at times. Um, he did get, uh, did get one hit, uh, in a couple games we saw it was a single to kind of a medium left center field gap. Um, he, promptly, you know, was over aggressive and, and tried to stretch it into a double and was thrown out by a good margin. Um, yeah, I, I saw that too. I was I was kind of like, why are you going for two? Yeah, uh, I was, watched I watched this game on video. I was spying on Brent uh to see if he was really there. <laughs> yeah. And I can confirm that Brent was at both games. Okay. There you go. But it's uh it was interesting. I mean that that single was in the second game uh, you know, he hadn't done much. It just was kind of, uh, you know, just sort of rank of someone trying to, you know, trying to do too much, trying to make stuff happen. Um, but, but yeah, overall, um, you know, there, there's, he's got long strides when he gets going. Uh, the time to first I got were not outstanding. It was in the four two five range. Um, of course, fantasy wise, you look at his stats and, and we talked about that before the futures game. Uh, the big thing was, uh, you know, his, uh, 50, 50 stolen bases so far this year. Um, and, uh, I can kind of, I can kind of see that certainly in the lower levels as, uh, as he, you know, like I said, with those, with those long strides and kind of, uh, lesser competition there, it will be interesting to see, you know, in the higher minors, if he's, uh, if he, if he continues to run that much, um, 
but I, uh, yeah, I'm definitely curious to hear, you know, after you watch them a little bit and the things you've heard about them, what your impressions are. Cause I was, uh, in generally for now, kind of, uh, you know, kind of underwhelmed in, in on the whole. I think underwhelmed is a good word for this guy. Um, and I liked how you mentioned that he kind of was like awkward. Uh, uh, one, one point that I'd like to make is like, he, he has a closed off stance and, um, you know, he doesn't put himself uh, in great position to get out of the box on his swing. Uh, there, there's some length there. Um, you know, he has very quick hands and, uh, does seem like he has, plus bat speed, but I, I guess what the issue here is, is that um, the, the explosiveness is not necessarily there. I, yeah. I wonder, um, you know, I, looking at a guy who's hit that many home runs in high A, and knowing that it's probably a different atmosphere than what, what he's running into in Hartford or throughout the Northeast, like Somerset, which is in New Jersey, um, uh, you know, it's, it's a different different dynamic there. So, um, yes, there is, uh, you know, looking at some of the exit velocities, uh, um, numbers that I've gotten a hold of, uh, you know, this guy does hit the ball hard, but it, it primarily, and it looks like with the flatter plane, most of his harder contacts, either uh, low liners, top spin, heavy, uh, yep. line drives, or, you know, he, it does appear he does get some better angles to right center, which which would make sense for a closed off guy like him. Yeah. Um, it, so those things are a little concerning since when he got drafted, it was for the big power and the you know the power hit combination. Um, right. Just going through the whole series, I watched every at bat uh, that was uh, in the series until, well, obviously I don't think I got Saturday nights. Um, so Saturday and Sunday, I did not get, um, and then I also watched his future league, uh, at bats and he was facing a lot of really good, good pitching too. So like, mm-hmm. that's another thing to like, maybe put into the, um, you know, into the files. Uh, yeah. Like I really believe like the series that you saw him, you saw him for two games and, I think one of those guys might not be a major leaguer that he faced. Uh, everybody else, um, almost throughout the whole series, was guys that are, I mean, we're talking about guys who've already seen the major leagues, like uh, uh, Davey Garcia, who remarkably is up to 98 miles per hour. Um, the, it's so flat and the, no command, but um, he is throwing harder than what he did when he was a major leaguer. Uh, but he faced Will Warren and Randy Vasquez and Clayton Beater and some relievers that were throwing awfully hard with good secondary. So, like, yeah. he was being challenged. Now, the one thing, if you take his future league at-bats and you also take his at-bats during the seri- series, uh, he did not hit a fastball. Um, did not, you know, granted, these are guys that you don't normally see in high A, guys that are throwing 95 plus uh, in a lot of these cases, or have a a pitch that's moving as much as Will Warren's fastball is moving. Uh, So like, it it was a different dynamic to really kind of judge him on. But again, flat plane swing, um, you know, for me, I would have liked to see him try to work the other way. Um, uh, Again, uh, seemed like he had some spin recognition issues, specifically with the slider, not necessarily so much with the curve. Um, and it, it just, it, I mean, he's he has a very good approach at the plate. 
I mean, there's a lot of things to like, but there's also like question marks. He's not a plus runner. These speed that's you're right. You're hundred percent right. That, that uh, speed's not going to continue. Uh, yeah. So it's very important for him to can continually make contact, make good contact. And yes, in Colorado, the power may come because of, you know, with a flatter plane. Uh, but the, the swing plane is much different than what we saw when he got drafted. So it's obviously some sort of um, something that's been coached into him. So, yeah. um, like, I'm not going to kill the guy, but I'm also not going to rave about him. I think he's a top 100 prospect, even possibly a top 50 prospect because of the, all the things that he does. Um, but Brent, I, I just don't see, um, that next superstar that I think people thought when he got drafted, if that makes sense. So, uh, what, you know, you, you were there when, when the ball came off of his bat, um, uh, did it explode or did it just kind of, (laughs) you know, whatever? No, I know it did not. I mean, I, that's what I, when you said something about earlier about, you know, it just wasn't. Uh, it wasn't exploding or it, you know, he was, it wasn't an explosive swing. I mean, that's a great, that's a great, uh, way to put it, uh, to me, everything he hit, uh, when he made contact with, uh, there were a couple, couple of line drives, but most everything else was a ground out uh, or on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he rolled over stuff to second base, uh, three or four times in, in those couple of bats struck out a couple of times. I mean, there's, the, the swing and miss, there was more swing and miss there than what I thought too. And there was times, uh, you know, times when he was kind of over swinging and, and chasing. Like, so I, I just think there's, there's some, especially if we, I guess, yeah, especially if we think about it on a fantasy perspective, if, you know, you see the 50 stolen bases and also oh, the top guys, you know, a top 10 pick and, uh, you know, he's young for the level and he'll get better. I mean, to use that speed, of course, and again, you know, even if that's skewed because of the lower levels, um, you know, he's going to have to find ways of getting on base. He's going to have to make uh, better contact. And uh, so far, those those characteristics need need some work, I think. Um, and we'll, I know, watching what Brent watching him, I went back to thinking about a guy that has been a major leaguer, but a guy that's been more of a platoon type guy. And that was uh, Brett Phillips of the Orioles. Um, Yes, there's probably more tools here with Bean, of course. But uh, the sort of, you know, ground ground ball oriented swing and miss on pitches. I didn't think he'd be swinging and missing on. um, That sort of thing was very reminiscent of Phillips. Now, I think there's more power in Bean's game. And I hopefully there's more consistent hit because, of course, we know really the reason why Phillips is not playing every day is because he can't uh, seem to hit lefty. Well, he can't seem to hit. Let's just put it yeah. that way um, yeah. for a high enough average to be in there. So uh, what was your point? I'm just going to make one final thing is that I, you know, I was curious when I was looking back, I mean, we, we had his grade as a nine D in the book. Now he had a great, you know, he had a great low a season in 2021. Um, but I, you know, for me, we often circle back and kind of say, what does this look lean us towards or, or head us towards? And I, I'm just not sure I see like a nine level player uh, yeah, here know. right right now. And, and it seems to me, 
you know, that there's even some holes to kind of get to, uh, you know, an above average kind of eight. So I, you know, I, I think personally for me, I would think it's, in, I don't do the great, won't do the grading for, uh, Colorado, but I think it's somewhere kind of in that eight C range where there's still, you know, a considerable amount of work to be done to kind of get to, um, you know, being, uh, you know, more than just an average regular. Yeah, I, I have that eight C as well. I don't have the Rockies either. So like, that's not really a, a big concern about me. Um, yeah. but for, for a prospect list and probably, somewhere between the 50 and the 75 range with him. Uh, most of my eight C's start fall, falling into that category. Yeah. So um, I think that for, for when we get to that, that will be, uh, that would be where we're at. Yeah. Sounds good. I know uh, we'll head over to you a little bit um, on the site, maybe a month or uh, six weeks or eight weeks ago, uh, you wrote up Tampa first baseman, Kyle, Manzardo, um, and I know you got another chance to look at him this week and uh, bring us some observations to the podcast. What uh, what did you see with Manzardo last week that you uh, you know either impressed you, stood out, uh, whatever? Every time I see Kyle Manzardo, I love him a little more, and it's a profile that I don't necessarily ever love. Uh, I don't like those first basemen. Um, that uh, contact, uh, line drive contact is pretty much the name of their game. Uh, you're trying at this position to project somebody to be uh, potentially a top 10 producer at first base because that's kind of how you have to look at this sort of thing. Um, it's, it's a hard bar for guys to to overcome, really, um, to, to get under or, or however you put it. Um, so I got a chance to watch Manzardo just by luck. He happened to be called up. Uh, I went to Chattanooga to check out De La Cruz. I went out to check out uh, whatever pitching I could run into and ran into some pitching. And we'll talk about one of those guys later on. Um, but what's really stands out about Kyle Manzardo is the consistently consistency of great at bat after great at bat even if uh the result is a strikeout you can tell that he is locked in and i have not seen him not locked in this year uh in this game uh first game of the double header um i got to go to a double header that was uh had two rain delays uh, game two didn't start until uh and oh, um, something oh. ridiculous like that. Um, oh. And I'll be honest, I left. I was I was kind of done after. Uh, you know, when you, when you see a guy that is has a seven walk per nine starting for a team <laughs> that is notoriously bad at that, I I, yeah. I just told myself I'm going to get a couple of bats of Manzardo in the second game, get something on this kid who was pitching, and then you know move on. But anyway. So what you're uh, saying, so what, so what you're saying is, if I was checking up on you to see if you were there in the second game, I wouldn't have seen you. Well, I also make sure I'm not seen on video. Ah, okay. Chattanooga. Right. So so far this year, Menzardo's uh, three twenty nine, four thirty six, six eighty six, six thirty six. Mm. I'm sorry, six thirty six in uh, high A uh, with seventeen home runs. 
45 walks and only 46 strikeouts. A guy that does not strike out often actually walks a ton. Uh, I, I think this is a this is a first baseman that has absolutely uh, helped himself climb up the first base um, first base uh, rankings this year. I mean, this guy is somebody that I really probably should have. Uh, should have fought for for a top 50 spot on our HQ list. Um, anyway, it's a very short and uh, compact swing. Uh, it, it, it's very, it, the swing is uh, the same regardless of where the ball is thrown. Uh, the only thing that changes is is the you know direction of his bat. Um, it, it, it's that pretty. Uh, if a ball is thrown up, He's able to get 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 to it, get on top of it, hit a line drive with some top spin. Uh, the thing that's really kind of set him apart this year uh, from his previous work is he has started to uh, get to angles on his uh, fly balls. So in the first game against the lefty, uh, he just he he stays in. Like this is something that you don't normally see from guys, especially in Double A like this. And it's not that he lacks aggression, but like it's really it's it's he's just so patient, so calm uh, that he just lets the pitch come to him, if that makes sense. I know that sounds very basic, but there's so many guys at this level and into the major leagues that get over anxious and all of this stuff. Uh, This guy works uh, a plate better than anybody else. So now he's getting locked off of his uh, liners. And so in he hit a home run to um, right center field, uh, line drive. Uh, and it was a no-doubter. I mean, he, he did, like, it was a no-doubt. It kept on getting more loft and stuff. But this kid, like, I don't, I've seen him hit the ball uh, softly. But, like, it, it, even then, it's still harder than other people's soft contact. Uh, I said in my article, I didn't think that he had plus power. I'm starting to think that like this guy could possibly get up to 30 home runs if this, if, if these games are truly real. So I guess you can say he has plus power now. I really do believe that this guy has a double plus hit tool, um, which we don't, I mean, it, it, it's rare to come across a guy like that. Uh, it, I feel like I'm over selling him, but I'm not like this guy is just so cool, calm and collected and against better pitching. I mean, granted, um, the lookouts have had trouble throwing strikes, but there's there's some major league uh, talent on that pitching snap. Um, like the only guy that beat him was a um, fastball from Joe Boyle and Joe Boyle had happened to, you know, he doesn't know where the ball's going, got really lucky and got right on his uh, hands. And, and Manzardo wasn't able to do anything with that. But still, like, um, again, this guy is is on a different level with his hit tool. So if he can get to average power with his double plus hit uh, tool potential, like this guy's probably a top 10 first baseman. If he can get to plus uh, plus tools, now we're ta- plus power. Now we're talking about a guy that um, – is a potential all-star um and i might actually move up his grade i kind of had him uh around an 8b 8c prospect and i think he might be now a 9d prospect um just given that he continually hits regardless of where he's at and it's always professional and now he has power yeah 
I mean, yeah, and looking at his, uh, you know, looking at his stat line, his pages and stuff. I mean, the thing, one of the things that stands out to me uh, is, is in his career, um, you know, and again, he was uh, second rounder in 2021 uh, career, um, uh, 55 strikeouts and 52 walks. In, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not, not tons of at bats, uh, 200 and 283 at bats. Um, but yeah, and, and a career, you know, 332 average, 436 on base. And it's, and, uh, you know, it's only, it's only 15 at bats. Like again, uh, first series up in double A, uh, for him also, but, uh, certainly has, uh, has made it, you know, n- nothing has fallen off at least. Uh, in that real small sample at, at double A, uh, Zardo's, yeah, that's, that's a pretty interesting one. Um, his, his, I know, I note that his size isn't what we normally think of for, you know, it's like a big first baseman either six, one, two Oh five. Um, but sounds like that doesn't hamper him at all. And in fact, perhaps, you know, being a, a bit shorter or, you know, not a hulking kind of first baseman, you know, makes that hit tool a little better. Yeah, the shorter the shorter limbs uh, really clean up that uh, and make his swing compact. So that's where the the batting average does come from. Um, uh, you know, his ability to make contact and make hard contacts really a product of that swing, which is uh, you know benefits from having the smaller um, smaller limbs. So you know, this is a guy that is going to be a top ten first base pro, uh, first base potential type guy. Um, yeah. But in, in like an on-base percentage um, league, this guy might be a top three to five first baseman just because he gets on base so much. And I think that that's, going, that's just going to uh, be verified as he gets to the next stop and the next stop. But like this kid should be ready in 2020, 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's an exciting one. It's certainly one that's kind of, uh, you know, not, I don't think a lot of people are uh, talking about him in the fantasy community anyway. Um, so Kyle and Zardo, uh, first baseman, Harton playing at Double A in the Rays organization. Hey, eyes have it, listeners. PD here from the Baseball HQ Radio podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Doug Dennis, the bullpen's columnist at BaseballHQ.com. Doug will talk about his winning no-starter strategy in Tout Wars American League, about the trade fallout from the deadline in bullpens, a look ahead to the bullpens of 2023, and his boons and banes. And we have a special talk with Woody Govan, a regular fantasy owner and our first non-expert guest ever. Plus, we have all the usual great stuff, our National League and American League news analysis, and our Baseball HQ commentaries. That's Doug Dennis and Woody Govan on this week's Friday Full Edition of the podcast with fantasy baseball intelligence for winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio. It is available now. And I hope you'll join us. Uh, we'll move to a pitcher. Um, yes. That, you you that got I... the pitcher, yeah. Let me let me do the introduction, Brent. Um, okay, go for it. So, so Brent calls me on, I, I guess it's either Thursday or Friday. My days are all mixed in. Um and tells me, oh, I've got this guy, I've got this guy. Oh, yeah, I saw Will Warren. Um, uh, he's somebody of some, uh, you know, I saw him up on somebody's ranking. And I was like, 
Oh, really? You saw Will Warren. I actually almost broke up Will Warren last week uh, because I was looking and uh, looking for a pitcher to write up. Um, and then I was going to pick a few other guys from that organization. I ended up writing somebody else, uh, somebody else up different. So, um, Brent, what do you think of Will Warren? Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, someone that was not, like I said, obviously not on my radar at all. He's an eighth rounder from the 2021 draft from uh, Southeastern Louisiana College. Um, and uh, it looks like the, you know, it looks like the Yankees uh, have something here, um, especially for an eighth rounder. Um, he's a... Uh, 6'2", 175 is what he's listed at. He's, uh, I would say he's uh, more in the 185, 190 range. I think the 175 is is uh, a little light because he's one of these guys with kind of a strong upper body, um, you know, uh, comes at you that way. Uh, pitches from a partial wind-up, sort of a standard uh, three-quarter release, um, but gets really good uh, extension and uh, – there's there's some deception there. Um, you know, it's hard to kind of quantify, but um, ball gets on. Ball seems to get on hitters uh, quicker um, than what uh, what it is on the radar gun, which is uh, you know for me this day his fastball was 90 to 93. Um, his best secondary was a 83 to 86 slider that uh, was really you know one of these horizontal sweeping sliders um that uh, you know against right handers would would start uh you know would start either in the zone or even in in the right hand batter's box and just you know just dive away from them um and by the time hitters had started their swing it was it was too late <laughs> the ball was moving um also threw a uh, curveball that was a little slower in the 78 to 80 range it was it was inconsistent but the movement you know, the movement was more uh, up and down is what you would think of as kind of a wasn't a true 12 to sixer, but but in that in that range that uh, that definitely gave the hitter a different look than um, than the slider. Um, also threw a couple change ups around the 84 range or so to lefty hitters. Um, nothing super special there, but it was a, a fourth pitch. And I know that um, uh, you had filled me in, too, that. And looking at some of his data in the past this year, he's thrown a cutter also, which I didn't see at all, um, which, you know, if that's certainly the case, I mean, that gives him kind of five pitches to deal with. Um, I, I think one thing that uh, stood out to me is he was not kind of overpowering at all. Um, I thought there might be more uh, kind of swing and miss there, but he's definitely – you know, definitely a more uh, kind of pitch to contact guy. There were a lot, a lot of ground balls and that, uh, you know, you look at his um, uh, records, uh, his uh, stats and stuff, uh, you can see that. And that's what I experienced uh, during this start, that there was a lot of, uh, a lot of contact on the ground. Um, nothing or not very much was hit very hard at all. So he's really a master, I think, at not necessarily you know, getting tons of strikeouts. He had uh, three on the day in his six innings, but really, um, you know, mastering the kind of soft contact needed to kind of just uh, eat up innings and get through outs. 
Um, because of the fastball velocity, wasn't necessarily anything special. He didn't really challenge guys up in the zone uh, like you see folks doing uh, a lot of times these days. Um, and the swings and misses, he didn't get tons of swing and misses, but when he did, as I mentioned before, they were mainly kind of on the off-speed uh, on the off-speed pitches. So I, I mean, I think uh, this is a guy that, for me, is is sort of a still a back end um, rotation guy, number four, uh, number five type, because of the, uh, especially because of the lack of kind of strikeouts. Um, and I'll note that while his strikeout rate looks decent um, for the whole year, uh, he did start in high A, and when and since he's moved up to double A. Um, which has been 12 starts, uh, just has a, um, uh, what is it? Was it a, uh, six and a, a 6.7 K per nine, um, you know, 65 innings, 49 strikeouts, 24 walks. His, uh, you know, his command wasn't pristine this day. Uh, he did walk three guys. There were kind of, um, stretches where, uh, lost, you know, lost his control a little bit. Um, so there's still, you know, still some, uh, work to do. Um, but I'm interested, uh, because you were also, you know, you were obviously had done a little bit of work on him. I'm interested to what, uh, your impressions were of, uh, Will Warren. So, yeah, I did more, more work, um, after you said you were going to go see him or said you had seen him. Uh, and you know, I think you've hit a lot of, of what I was going to hit specifically, uh, that command um, on the season, he's around uh, since double A call up around 65% strike rate, which is below average. Uh, but you tend to see that with sinker ball pitchers. And I mean, that's going to be his bread and butter. It's going yeah. to be that sinker ball. Um, and so, like, I'm not too concerned about that uh, specifically, but none of his other pitches are above uh, 60% strike rates. Uh, obviously, the slider. Um, is his one swing and miss pitch of the of the grouping? Uh, I had him. I mean, it, it's funny your velocities, which I didn't have velocities for your game, um, uh, but the velocities match up with what he's been this whole time in Double A. Um, yeah. To me, it's a fastball slider mix uh, type guy. That um, I'm a I'm a little less ha- I, I'm a little less certain that he's a starter. I think yeah. that uh, yeah. the change, I mean, um, there are times when that change up drops um, um, and, and you're like, wow, that's a, that's a significantly um, good pitch. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, between, you know, I think I've watched about 40 of them on, on video and of those 40, maybe five of them did that. So, yeah. uh, and, and that curveball. Uh, something that works as a starter. I don't know if it, I, I, I it really works as a, you know, changing eye level type thing more so than than right. anything. I think it, uh, most of his hard contact in the games that I've seen uh, on any of the breaking pitches have been on the curveball. So uh, to me, it's a fastball slider, and and really, um, I, I I think that this is a guy that ends up in the pen, ends up with a pretty long career as a as a reliever. Um, I probably have him in a seven B seven C range. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I, I mean, a different evaluator might have him at a eight something, but um, I, I and I have the Yankees organization, so I probably have to stick to this. Um, 
<laughs> I, I, it's probably a 7B for me with, um, you know, projection as a SP4, SP5, but likely role as a setup or, or less uh, reliever. Yeah, I mean, in my, uh, in my notes here, too, I was uh, uh, trying to come up with a grade again, not, not having anything. And 7C is exactly where I landed. Uh, I, I could I could see the B. Uh, I think you're right that there's you know there is reliever risk there, um, but it's definitely a major league arm. I think fantasy wise, uh, it might be one of these pitchers that um, you know because he's it could, it could be one of these pitchers that uh, on some lists are is higher because of his real life value than what his fantasy utility is going to be. Um, and, uh, but, you know, but we'll see the, the Yankees too have, uh, you know, have a history of kind of finding, uh, more velo out of some of these guys, uh, after a couple of years or, or sharpening a pitch and that kind of thing. And, and perhaps the, uh, you know, perhaps that changes the evaluation, but I think for now, I mean, you can't kind of count on that at this point. I think for now, yeah, 7C kind of back-end starter is uh, what we're looking at at Will Warner, which, again, uh, you know, we poo-poo it a little bit, but finding, uh, you know, a major league arm <laughs> in the eighth round like that uh, is a scouting win, really. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, finish up with a quartet. Or, no, uh, I guess looks looks like we got five guys on the list uh, that we'll just do some quick hits on um, as uh, – as we finish out here, I know you mentioned Joe Boyle, uh, right yes. here from Cincinnati. Uh, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about Boyle? Surprise game two starter of this doubleheader. Did not think he'd Ooh. be there. Um, huh. And, uh, you know, it's always a panic when you're in a booth and, uh, you know, the tarp's on the field for the second time. But the panic in the, in the press booth was when, uh, one of the scouts looked up uh, his stats and found that he had a 7.1 um, walk per nine uh, issue <laughs> in high A. And this guy was huh? just going to be called up. So um, I made a mention on Twitter, and uh, Doug Gray, who's uh, with Reds Minor Leaguer uh, Leagues, yeah, uh, yeah. asked me who uh, who was pitching. And, I, you know, and, of course, I didn't tell him because um, I was probably the, – the, the Reds do weird things. They They – <laughs> They're very secretive, and it, it makes me it, – it's weird. It's very secretive, and I don't know if I should have known he was even going, but he was on the roster, so it made sense. So, But anyway, uh, Joe Boyles, this guy, is like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, uh, very long, very tall, um, very uh, uh, stiff delivery, uh, easy, easy velocities. Uh, he averaged about 96, 97 miles per hour, uh, was up to 98 as low as 94. Uh, even after I left, I had somebody uh, tracking him, and it was about the same throughout his start. Um, dude does not know where his fastball is going, and that's where uh, some of the craziness can can get involved. Um, he threw a lot of pitches in this game because, uh, again, he didn't know where the pitches were going. But like I mentioned in the Manzardo at bat, when the pitch was thrown in the strike zone, it was very hard for guys to hit. Uh, I mean, he busted Manzardo um, in on the hands, and I don't think many guys are going to be able to do that with Kyle Manzardo, uh, and, but Boyle luckily figured that out on, like, I think it was like a 3-1 count that he did that on. Um, it was it was pretty amazing uh, pitch. 
he also throws a curveball that has uh, plus action um, when he gets on top of it. Unfortunately, he doesn't always get on top of it. Uh, it it's a wild guy to watch. And as Doug told me on private messenger, he said, you're either going to get an ACE like performance, or you're going to not get out of the second inning. And <laughs> that is, I mean, that's what you're rolling the dice whenever Joe Boyle goes on the mound. So, you know, this is a guy that's probably not necessarily a dude that we're going to see as a starting pitcher long-term, but I think that, if he can throw a little more strikes, um, he has that two-pitch uh, profile that is uh, what you like to see out of um, those late-inning relievers. Because uh, yeah. uh, there's a chance that both of these pitches could be double-plus with better command, especially yeah. at how tall he is. And he's not one of these guys that doesn't uh, doesn't stride, doesn't extend. He uses his body. So it's another guy, like um, like, even though he's stiffer, uh, that like there's a chance, but uh, you know, granted, a stiffer delivery means probably not as much athleticism there, and you know, given his size and all that good stuff, uh, his inability to repeat as well. Um, you know, this this is a gamble. This is this is a 7D prospect if I've seen one. Um, just throw it. You know, he's gotten up to double A. Let's just roll the dice and see if it becomes something. Uh, yep. You know, it could actually be an 8E, um, but I, I probably, I'm 70 I'm all the way. So um, you got to see somebody of, of note uh, again uh, that we've covered yep. before uh, this yep. year. And that was in that same series that you saw Will Warren and Zach Veen in was Anthony Volpe, um, who's the big shortstop and the number one prospect and the highest rated Yankee. Um, yep. on our HQ five, uh, 50, our mid-season prospect list. Uh, yep. uh, do you notice anything different? Yeah, we, we looked at him. I looked at him uh, in May uh, on a video look uh, because he, if you, you know, as longtime listeners will recall, um, we, we talked to, I talked about him here because of the slow start he got off to this year. Um, had a great year last year um, through mid-May or so. Um, really... Uh, the stats were bad, and the the bats that I watched at that one series um, on video were uh, not good either. He was chasing lots of stuff uh, outside the zone, um, was not kind of making contact, was over swinging at times. Um, looked totally different in these two games, uh, which will be uh, good news for Yankee fans and those uh, those folks that have him on the roster. Yeah, uh, he looked confident in the box. Um, he was really stinging the ball, um, had, uh, you know, was fairly aggressive, um, you know, had a couple of one and two pitch at bats. So when he was getting a good pitch to hit, um, he was, he was taking a run at it. Um, had a couple, a couple of things I really liked is just, uh, the hustle and, and kind of instincts he showed, um, you know, he had a couple infield singles, uh, in these two games, you know, ran out grounders hard um was really yeah just looked like a totally different player um than than what i saw earlier did have a stolen base which is notable he's got 39 on those on the year on and uh stolen base he just had a fantastic jump i mean the the uh the hartford catcher had no shot at him um really um 
So it was a, it was kind of a total 180 from what we saw from what I saw earlier in the year, which I think is a really uh, a really good thing. The other thing I want to note just quickly with him too is that um, is his defense. Uh, and we talked about this couple ish, you know a couple uh, episodes back uh, how that might affect um, players and and trying to you know take that into our evaluations but not have it kind of uh, rule over them. Um, but he was really solid at shortstop. He's not one to kind of make the fantastic play. Um, and you know, he, he won't have the strongest shortstop arm, uh, out there, but it's enough. Uh, and he just, uh, made, made all the plays basically, uh, throughout those two games was involved in, in several multiple double plays both on the front end and on the turning end um, and was really solid there. Um, just mechanically sound would get his feet under him to, uh, to throw the ball. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, I think it's really, that's an important thing as you think about where he fits in, uh, you know, into the Yankee system. I mean, is it something that he's going to be able to step in there and, and play shortstop and, you know, perhaps as early as next year sometime. And I think, uh, I think that is really possible. Um, I'm, I'm excited again about, uh, Anthony Volpe. Um, again, just, just a well-rounded player. Um, the kind of the, the, uh, the plus, the, you know, um, above average hit and kind of the, the power that's there too. Um, he, you know, he drove several balls, um, with kind of the, you know, the extra velocity that you would expect to see uh, from a, such a highly ranked prospect. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a good reminder of uh, the season's long and that uh, Volpe certainly has, has turned it around from a disappointing uh, beginning of the year. Uh, moving on, I know you got to see uh, Cameron Misner, an outfielder from the Tampa organization in that, in that series too. Uh, Misner's, was a high pick at one point has had some uh, stops and starts ups and downs. Uh, where, where's your evaluation of Bisner about now? Uh, I'm glad you asked that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm as puzzled as I was last year um, with a, you know, he was in the Marlins organization and uh, you know, JJ Lede and Cameron Misner, I kind of felt yeah. like we're on like a similar footing and um, yeah. You know, I couldn't decide who I thought was better at the Arizona Fall League um, of those two. Um, you know, Misner had a horrible, horrible start to his double-A uh, season this year and has really come along of late. Um, uh, you know, the, the thing is, he's an upright um, upright stance. It's, uh, it's open. Um, he has a bit of a moderate leg lift. There is some length in his swing. He's obviously extending, uh, trying to power the ball out. Of you know, uh, did not see any huge um, power displays in the game that that I uh, scouted in the two games that I scouted. Uh, but having seen him in Arizona and having seen his BP in Arizona as well, you know, it, it's very much the same sort of hitter like my profile really hasn't changed with him there is limited hitting um you know this is a 30 grade hit tool um 60 grade power 
Um, uh, his issue, like what I saw there was he was, and I've seen it in videos well, um, it doesn't seem like he gets uh, gets to velocity well. So he ends up hitting the ball hard and hitting the ball the other way. Now, with better commanded fastballs and stuff, he's not going to be hitting the ball hard anymore. So that's 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 a little bit um, a little bit worrisome. I don't think he can pull a home run uh, off a major league velocity fastball pulled. Um, I don't think he can do that. Um, I think anything better than that, he's going to have issues with that. Uh, but again, lots of power. Um, I, I think I might come off of my eight. I think I had him like at the 8D or 8E. I think that he's in the 7s now. I think it's a 7C yeah. player. Um, but I, I just don't think the hit's going to be there for him. Um, you got to see somebody who um, I had forgotten about and the guy that I was high on when he was in the Padres organization, and that's yeah. uh, Jason uh, Rosario. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Jason Rosario is now uh, in the Yankees playing for this double eight team. Um, when I saw him in the lineup that first game, I was like, oh, yeah, isn't that the uh, former San Diego guy? And yes, it is. Uh, he's, he was uh, part of their international class in 2016, uh, was actually traded to Boston uh, in 2020 in the Mitch Moreland trade. Um, Boston DFA'd him this March. The Yankees uh, claimed him. Uh, picked him up and then actually designated him for assignment also. So he's not on the 40 man, but he, he cleared waivers and they assigned him to double A. He's still just 22. And again, if this is one of these things we talk about for every once in a while where, you know, you kind of go in without any expectations and uh, a guy, you know, in a two game set, in this case, two game set, and the guy just hits everything or looks really good. Um, so in this, uh, yeah, in this two game set, uh, he had a home run, two doubles, uh, hit several balls hard. I mean, hit several what what I you know what we like to call kind of major league fly balls. Uh, you know, well struck um, deep fly balls that were outs, uh, but show some modicum of of uh, you know uh, hitting ability, hard hit ability. Um, uh, he's uh, you know he's six two at this point, one ninety. Uh, bats from the left side um, is leaner, but definitely has some punch uh, in his frame. And uh, yeah, he just got consistently great carry on uh, on some of these fly balls and and liners. I mean, the homer one, the home run for one was one that just uh, you know looked the swing looked fine off the bat, but it just kind of kept carrying and kept carrying. It was straight away uh, center field. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's it's interesting, and he, you know, for for a leaner guy like that, the the swing was was short and compact. Um, really got me reinterested a little bit. Um, it's it's kind of hard to know where he fits in um, again with the with the Yankees, but uh, you know, at 22 and playing well at Double A, um, his stats aren't crazy. Uh, off the charts or anything. Um, it's still around, uh, you know, an 800 OPS, um, uh, single digit home runs, eight homers, uh, and the batting average is 256. Uh, but he's getting on base a ton, uh, which is something that he's always done. Uh, if you go back and look at older scouting reports, when he was with the, um, with the Padres, uh, his walk rate's high. Uh, he worked several counts on these two at bat. So, 
uh, yeah, Jason Rosario, I think is just a, you know, kind of a name to tuck away, um, again, because of the youth and, uh, and just being, you know, just being aware where he lands, if he's able to stay within, uh, the Yanks organization, or if he moves on after this year, let's finish up with, uh, Ronnie Simon, who's a second baseman in the Tampa Bay organization. Uh, someone, a name that I'm, I admit I'm not familiar with. Uh, Chris, what do you got on Simon? Well, I got to see Simon a bunch this, uh, this season first at, um, Bowling Green and now at, uh, Montgomery. And it, you know, as, as I told somebody, uh, it's a nice little player. Uh, is this a, a bat that is going to possibly be a major league regular? Probably not. But he does enough things well that even given short spurts and stuff, he could become somebody you use because of injury or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy, switch hitter, uh, from the right side of the plate, even though I saw him uh, probably have his uh, best hit of the season from the right side of the plate this year, um, isn't much of a factor. Um, he's really kind of a factor for the left side. Uh, last week, we talked uh, about um, Emmanuel uh, Valdez, who went from the Astros to the Red Sox yeah. organization in the Christian Vasquez deal. And there's there's a lot of similarities here. Um, specifically, there's a power element. Um, there's a maybe not as a good of a hit tool as Valdez, uh, but there's that ultra aggressiveness there. Um, what kind of makes him interesting, Simon, is his ability to steal bases. He's a very quick runner. He's a plus runner, um, very speedy. They had acquired him. The Rays did in the Jordan Luplow deal last offseason from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, and, you know, this guy's never really been on my radar. I've uh, I got notes on him from from the contact uh, prior, but it wasn't anything uh, substantial. Um, really and truly, this guy can learn any sort of patience whatsoever. Um, he falls into the whole, hey, this guy's a potential platoon guy with the uh, with the Rays, and maybe it works with a, a Taylor Walls and Ronnie Simon type thing. Uh, but you could say that about a lot of the Rays middle infield prospects. It seems like every single one of them kind of falls into that little uh, little place where, hey, they have some versatility. I wouldn't be surprised if Simon sees the outfield, sees second, sees short, sees third base. Um, like this is a kid that it, you know fits in to a peg that the, that the Rays only have. And, um, you know, you could benefit from this, especially with his ability to steal bases. So, um, really just wanted to profile him based on that. To conclude our show, we take a look at where we'll be this week. Uh, it's our what's on tap, um, segment of the show. Brent, lead us off. Where will you be this week? Well, uh, for the first half of the week, I'm on vacation. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, congratulations. Doing, thank you. Doing some uh family time, uh some extended family time uh Monday through Thursday. Uh looking ahead, there's a chance I might catch something over the weekend uh when I get back. Um possibly at uh possibly, but uh that's still to be determined. Um so that's that's my week for this uh, at this point. We'll uh, we'll see how that all develops. 
Um, how about you, Chris? What's up for you this week? I have Greensboro coming to town again. Uh, Greensboro <laughs> was uh, Pirates high A. Uh, they yeah. were a much better team when they were in here before. Um, <laughs> really, the big name here is probably Jarrett Jones, a uh, um, guy that I covered on video scouting last year when he was in low A. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see if he lines up with a with one of my available evenings to get there. Uh, and the, the oh god, the the Braves, the Braves organization right now, man. Uh, below high high A and below, it's it's very very uh, it's rough. It's like a drought. Um, hmm. I talked to a contact that has seen Augusta. I talked to a contact that has seen. Uh, they're uh, Florida Complex League, and uh, those those scouts are depressed right now. So, uh, <laughs> but the one name that came up was this guy named Geraldo Quintero, uh, who just got called up when um, Von Grissom got called up to the uh, big leagues. There was some movement. Of course, they had to get a mm-hmm. shortstop for Grissom in um, Mississippi. So then this mm-hmm. kid was able to come up from Augusta to. Rome. So I have somebody to watch. So um, hopefully I get out there this week. I will probably see Quintero before the end of the year. Uh, so, you know, um, if I can't get out this week, it won't be, you know, I'll try, but it won't be the worst thing in the world. Thank you all for joining us on this week's Eyes Have podcast. Uh, as always, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can ask us questions at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Brent is at Brent HQ and you can reach me at C underscore blessing. First time listening, uh, first time listeners to our pod, click the subscribe button to view our future episodes. And you can also see the archive of our old episodes as well. Um, and remember to spread the word about us too. Tell tell your friends that aren't uh, necessarily in your leagues or or anything like that. So uh, until next time, see you all later. Brent, you have a great vacation. Thanks, Chris. Have a good week. <laughs>